guys, I'm Megan Barker. Welcome to Jammin' and Jammies. We are sitting down with some of our favorite music creators and industry leaders, finding out how they got where they are and getting some valuable insight into the music world. You can watch the interviews online and you can also stream the podcast. And we also do a live stream every Sunday night on Instagram. So check out jamminandjammies.com for all the happenings. And today we are lucky enough to be sitting down with a jammy veteran at this point, Miss Marty Dodson. She's the founder and lead singer of Saving Jane. They were the highest charting independent band of the 2000s, you guys. And you might remember their smash hit, Girl Next Door. She's also a BMI award-winning songwriter. She's written for songs for artists like Luke Bryan, Thompson Square. And she's also passionate about helping young writers. And she's known in Nashville for trying to inspire and encourage. So we obviously have a lot of ground to cover. Let's welcome her. Marty, how are you doing? Hey, I'm good. How are you? I'm so good. Do you want to just start by just telling everyone like how you got into music in the first place? Sure. Yeah, I started writing songs in college. Um, I, I guess kind of late, maybe 19 or 20. And I was in school studying for my bachelor's in social work. Oh. And my I think my senior year I spent my book money on a guitar and <laughs> taught myself some chords and started writing songs and I had um I had a duo at that point in time with the guy who was the guitar player in Saving Jane and we just played I went to Ohio State and so we played around on campus and we started doing some original songs and then we formed our band and the rest was a 10-year history. <laughs> Yeah, that's, I'm so, okay, side note, you know this, because I've told you, but I was a Saving Jane fan, I remember hearing Girl Next Door on the radio and singing into my hairbrush, the whole, the whole thing, um, can you just tell us, like, how did Saving Jane take off, I mean, you guys had a major record deal, like, what was that whole adventure like? Um, yeah, we, so we started, like I said, I was in, in college, but the other guys were a little bit older than me, um, and we started playing just around Columbus, Ohio, and we did cover shows for, I want to say maybe like three years. Like we would do the standard, you know, 10 to 2 <laughs> at all these bars around town. And we ended up getting picked up as the house band for the top 40 station in Columbus. So that meant that anytime they had an event and tailgates obviously were a big thing. That was when people could do things <laughs> together <laughs> in public. Right. So, um, we played all of their tailgates and the program director at that radio station connected us to a guy who managed the band Blessed Union of Souls, who was also an Ohio based band. Um, they had a bunch of hits in like the late nineties. Um, amazing band, by the way, check them out. So anyway, we hooked up with our manager, like started working on recording. We had recorded an album independently. It is absolutely terrible. <laughs> like. <laughs> sonically hideous but anyway we got started and uh we started working with him and we made a record and um we could I mean do you want me to talk more about like how Girl Next Door happened how that kind of became a thing or yeah, I mean just I think people find the details super interesting so as much as you're willing to share about how the pieces like all lined up yeah so Okay, we, we were recording a bunch of stuff and we Girl Next Door was one of the songs that we recorded and we were, at that time, all of us in the band were super influenced by a lot of different things like still to this day one of my biggest influences as a songwriter I would say is are the Indigo Girls, um, but our guitar player was a huge Gin Blossoms fan, our drummer was a Poison stand. like it was like we were just all over the place, yeah. so we had a more like 
we ended up having a more alternative rock sound and then I would like force my way in with these little acoustic <laughs> ditties <laughs> now and then but we had done a version of Girl Next Door that was pretty hard rock um but everyone who heard it like could hear the song through yeah the, that bad recording of it which I always think is interesting too because you know and at that time and I think still today like it was it was best song wins and so if you can hear a, a song through a not great recording or through just a guitar vocal or whatever I think sometimes that speaks to yeah the the possibilities for that song so yeah we recorded a version of it and they our manager took it to radio um they said it sounded too country so wow that's interesting yeah and it was it was a different version than most people are familiar with um came back and cut it again and like made it decidedly more rock sounding and took it back out and we signed on at that time with like this little independent label out of based in Chicago and they just they sent me on a radio tour and we just kind of we had a team of three people <laughs> um, and the song just kind of started taking a life of its own on. Um, so we didn't have a major label until the song was already charting. Um, That's amazing. Yeah, we had our radio, our promotion team was our manager and two other people that were hired like independently. So yeah, it was just kind of, I mean, it, the song was around for in, in different incarnations for probably three or four years before it was ever on the radio. That's amazing. What a fascinating story too. You don't hear stories like that very much where people were charting before they even had a label. I mean, I don't know if you hear about that. Maybe it's just in country music. I'm really mostly familiar yeah. with country music, but that just sure. never happens. I think that the, I think the culture is changing now because I do a series for Songtown where I kind of dissect current pop songs and the ones that I've done recently, all of them have been via TikTok. Um, yeah. They became prominent that way and people are getting record deals from there they're getting songs on the charts from there and so I think it's it's leaning more that way now but it didn't used to be such a thing yeah such a fascinating time right now um everyone yeah. wants to go viral on TikTok so I know I know maybe, maybe people go viral who knows um, <laughs> okay so let's talk about songwriting what brought you to Nashville and when did you come here sure um I moved here officially in 2013 I had been coming here since about 2008 or 2009. I used to come. Where were you before? I always was in Ohio. Our okay. band was based out of there and we toured out of there, did everything. Our, we made our records there and everything. So um, I would come here like once a month. And then there were a couple of times where I came here and, and subletted a place and stayed for a month or two. Um, so whenever, so we broke up in 2010 and at that time I was writing for a company that did, they had previously done the admin on my Saving Jane stuff, which means they, for anybody who's not familiar with the business side of things, they collected the money for the songs that we wrote. Um, my manager owned the publishing on that stuff. So whenever we broke up and those contracts ended, ended up signing on with that company in New York called Shapiro Bernstein the one that did admin on our stuff, I signed with them as a, a full staff writer and started writing and I was traveling overseas and doing a lot of pop stuff, but I was also doing a lot more country stuff. Like I felt like pop was moving away from the more sort of confessional story kind of thing that I favored. Um, 
it was getting a little at that time a little bit more electronic and just not my jam so I was coming to Nashville a lot and uh and it actually ended up like the reason I moved full-time is I was married and I got divorced and I was like well I have no reason to stay in Ohio so I'm gonna do this thing for real so yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, so you've been here for a minute. What kind of changes have you seen in Nashville in the industry? I guess in the town itself, has it changed a lot? It has. It, it, uh, I got here right at the beginning of all the changes that I think you're seeing. We're seeing the evidence of now. Um, when I got here, you could park in a parking lot across from Tin Roof. Uh, and that's a giant apartment building now with a grocery store. So, oh, wow. um, there like it still had that small town feel which was my favorite thing about coming here like I lived in Columbus which is a big city but it it's in Ohio and it's surrounded by a lot of rural areas so Nashville used to have a similar feel to that um in the time that I've been here and I would say even a year after I moved you started seeing like buildings disappearing and traffic getting heavier and like so it really lost a lot of that small town in a city feel um which is sad because it was one of the things that made it so amazing to be here and I think attracted so many people here I know a lot of people have moved here from both coasts and they were drawn to that and it's kind of disappearing now so it's a different city than it was when I moved here I know you can't go home again I keep hoping maybe it'll be a little more like that but it's booming and I guess that's a good thing. I guess it's good. Yeah, well, I mean, we're either gonna cry about it or go along for the ride, so. <laughs> okay, just lean into it. Yeah. Um, can you just tell us a little bit about, so you, you obviously changed publishing companies at some point um, and how did all those, you know, Luke Bryan and Thompson Square Cuts, how that all happened? So when I came here, I was signed with a company in New York that I told you about and I was their only writer that was writing country stuff. They were they had a lot of catalog stuff from years and years back, but they had mostly pop stuff. So initially they hired some people to represent me here because they didn't have a presence in Nashville at all. And they ended up signing um, Megan Connor. So she and I were the only two people in Nashville that they represented. So they hired kind of an independent song plugger. There's a lot of those around town that you can, you know, they get hired by outside companies or by individuals to to pitch their songs and do their admin and stuff. So they hired someone and then they parted ways with him and they hired someone else. And the, the someone else that they hired was Chris Oglesby who had previously been at BMG. At this time he was doing his own independent thing. My company hired him. And then after I was signed with them in town for probably about a year, they decided to pull out of Nashville. They didn't want to, they were just like, you know, we're spending too much money. We don't really have a presence there. So my deal ended with them around the same time that Chris went back to BMG. And so he pretty much immediately brought me over there because I'd been working with him for like close to a year at that point. So as soon as I could, um, he signed me over there. And that kind of started the trajectory of being able to get into a lot of different rooms and, and getting some of those cuts and that's awesome. It sounds like he really believed in you. Yeah, he was definitely a champion. And we we used to laugh about like different people in this business have different ears. You know, there are certain different things that appeal to them. And 
the roster that he signed at BMG, we all kind of came up together at the same time. So there was like me and Bobby Hamrick and Kat Higgins and Steven Wilson. Um, and so we, he would talk about like, like, who do you want to write with? I'm like, honestly, my favorite people to write with are the people that you sign because there was something, you know, about what he heard in songs that appealed to me. So it's just, you have to find the person who kind of understands what you do and believes in it. Yeah, good chemistry. Mm-hmm. Sounds like that's awesome. Okay, you're not going to believe this, but you're the first female that we've gotten to sit down and talk with. So, <laughs> wow. I have to say something about it because, yeah. I mean, do you feel a sense of responsibility being a female songwriter, artist? Do you feel anything about that? Um, I think like the responsibility lies in. A, like, like you mentioned, mentoring maybe younger artists and writers, because in my time, you know, outside of Nashville and, and here, like, you see people fall by the wayside or go for the wrong things or, like, it's, you have to go out when you get to Nashville, and so it, it becomes hard to not go into the party scene and, like, yeah. you don't want to be known for being the, the pretty drunk girl, <laughs> you want to be known for being the girl that writes amazing songs, and so... You know, I felt, I have felt some wanting to like offer guidance in, in that regard, just because it's a trap, like I've fallen into it, we all have. And so just trying to make sure that women are getting attention for their talent, um, as opposed to anything else. So, yeah, well said. And that actually leads me, I was just going to ask you about why you're so passionate about helping young writers, because there's all kinds of videos and stuff. If you Google your name, you're so associated with like helping <laughs> the next ones. I mean, have you always been that way? Oh, I, I mean, being a helper, I think has always been in my nature. I, I did finish college and I ended up staying and going to grad school. So I have, I worked in social work for a long time and I was a counselor um for middle school and high school kids so wow. that's kind of always been in my DNA I guess um and and music is something that like it it keeps you young you know so I've always related to people that are at a certain point in their career and it's like especially now having been through it and seeing like things that I did right or things that I did wrong and you know, if someone else wants advice or help that I can offer, like, I'm always glad to do that. That's so interesting. So I sat down with, um, with the other Marty Dodson in town who you know very well, I'm sure, but it's so interesting that you have like a counseling background and he kind of has like a psychology background too, doesn't he? He does. Yeah. He was, I think he was a youth pastor, a youth group leader, um, in his younger years. That's so weird. Okay. So you guys could open a firm, Dodson and Dodson. Yeah. Right. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, okay, so what what is the what's something that you look for in a co-writer? Um, I think like just being present and bringing whatever it is that you bring to writes. Like it's hard to write with somebody who goes along with everything you say, or is just like, oh, I don't know. Like we, you know, we all we all do the sit down. Like, okay, well, what do you want to do today? And if everyone in the room is like, oh, like, you're not going to do anything. Yeah. Great. So I always remember people that really contributed and were really invested in that day. And, you know, inversely, I remember people that weren't, and I typically don't write with them again. So 
Do you believe in second chances? I do. I'm a three strikes. Um, That's fair. I, like, because I, I mean, we all have days. We all have off days and we're not going to an office where we sit at a desk and it doesn't matter if you can't get your mind off some personal thing or whatever. So, you know, everybody has moments and it's more about, not, I don't even mean like strikes in terms of if I show up and I don't feel like you're present, but like cancellations more than anything, like if somebody cancels on me twice, I'm side-eyeing, but a third time and it's like, I don't book that for me ever again. <laughs> like, yeah. so. I, I feel like that's totally fair and you're more lenient than some people even. <laughs> Probably, I, cause just cause I know crap happens and, but there are people that you can tell that something really happened and there are people that are like, I'm hungover. I don't feel like going today. So <laughs> I think you, I mean, I think you'd be a great counselor, but I think that's what makes you a great songwriter is you seem like a very empathetic person. Uh, and you can hear it in your lyrics too. Do you feel things very deeply and heavily? Cause I do. <laughs> yeah, I do. Yeah, I think a lot of us have that, that, uh, I don't know. There's a, a balance in creativity with having a really emotional side. So I think a lot of us have that. And a little psychosis too, just a little bit sprinkled. A little bit of crazy. Life is no fun <laughs> without it. Right. Okay. I know it's so hard to make plans right now, but do you have plans or goals? Like what does the future look like for you? I I think that I'm, I've been in survival mode for like oh. a year, honestly. And I know everybody has. So I'm trying to start thinking about the future right now. Like I think in the past year, and we've talked about this, but my dad got really sick and he passed away. And I, so I spent a lot of time back in Ohio with my family and kind of keeping my focus there. And since then, since coming back to Nashville last summer, like it's really just been about getting by and we, you know, we can't go anywhere. We can't do anything. And it's, so it's, I started making a record just to have something to do. <laughs> um, so I think now, now that some of that fog has lifted and, and hopefully we're looking at getting back into normal life, I'm, my goals are more just starting to plan for the future. Like I, I try not to beat myself up for not overachieving. Like I've, I'm, you know, I know lots of us are like that too. We're really hard on ourselves and I definitely am one of those people. So I'm like, ah, oh, you didn't do anything today. And literally like, there's never a day that I don't do anything. You know, I might have done, if I've done 10 loads of laundry and clean the house and gone to the grocery store, but I didn't write a song, I'd be like, you didn't do anything today. <laughs> like, so it's being forgiving and just having some hope that things are going to look a little different maybe in six months. For yeah, all I, don't, I don't know if it's a type A thing or a creative thing, but I, I'm the same way. I'm sure so many people are that you know, you could have a meeting and a write and go to bed feeling unaccomplished. And I don't understand that. Yeah, I know. And that's something about like giving into appreciating the process, which is something that I've learned more in the past few years. Like writing it for yourself as an artist is different than writing as yeah. a career. Um, and so writing as a career, you have to learn especially how to appreciate you know, I have to be like, hey, I'm getting paid to go write songs today. Go writing songs is my favorite thing to do in the world. And so no matter what happens as a result of that, you have to appreciate that moment. So I've learned a lot about that too in the last few years. Yeah, I feel like we could do an entire 
conversation about that and the difference between writing for yourself as an artist and writing mm-hmm. for other people. Um, is it different moods for you? Yeah, there's a, when I'm writing for myself, there's a flexibility that I don't grant myself when I'm writing just to write something that I hope gets pitched or that I think someone else could cut. Like, and I'm, I'm trying to learn more about marrying those two things because I'll say things in a song that's for me because I kind of, you know, I'm at a point, I'm in a different place in my career too because I'm not trying to get a record deal and I'm not, you know, trying to get TikTok famous or whatever it is. Like, I don't care anymore about those things. So I'm making music just because I want to and because I like it. And so there's a freedom in that that comes with being able to say anything. Whereas you have to think a little bit more commercially minded when you're writing to write because you don't want, I mean, why shoot yourself in the foot before you even start? So when you put out some seriously beautiful music um, and it it goes under Marty Jane in case anybody wants to go check it out. um, Do you feel like you write your best stuff for you as, as an artist by yourself? Probably. I I don't, I wouldn't say that they're my best songs, um, but I would say that they're the best representation of me. um, If that makes sense. Like there's, again, like when you're writing with other people, everybody's goal is typically to do something that is going to be able to either get cut or, or by you get on a playlist or get on the radio or whatever. So there is a little bit more, it's a little more limiting. So I think I write my most me songs by myself, but I wouldn't say they're the best songs that I write. (laughs) That makes perfect sense. I totally understand. Um, Do you feel like playing something for us? Is there anything you want to hear? I mean I love the new stuff that you've been putting out the last you put out like three songs in the last year or so haven't you yeah um okay I'm gonna try to play quarantine which was the first thing that I released um with my new artist stuff and I've I've only played it out once or twice but it's all the same four chords so (laughs) I'll probably be able to do it love this song thank you uh this was just like a I got this idea from finding out that the the rest of the world is whatever they consider quarantine. I was like, oh, that's just my life. <laughs> like, I just sit at home and do things by myself. I love it. All right. I've spent my life in some kind of self-imposed solitude, watching quiet the world go by. And I put on faces, gone places I never saw myself going to, convincing strangers of my good times. And everybody's falling apart without each other, and I'm just, I'm just business as usual. And everybody's trying so hard to keep it together, and I'm just wondering. I never knew this was normal. How did I miss that my routine is everyone else is quarantined? Small talk just feels like performing. I think they call that introvert. When other people say boring, Feels like my safe word. I'm just trying to make it look cool and unattainable. I guess you could say that I'm going for mysterious. Deep down, I know that I'm not cool. Just don't know how to 
and serious I'm somewhere in between my own head and everyone else's quarantine Just like when I lost my dad, I was secretly glad time stopped, not just for me, but everyone. Finally feel like I fit in, wearing my same old skin, and knowing they all have to try it on. And I miss the world moving to, yeah, I miss the scene. But the truth is, when we get through this, I'm gonna miss quarantine. Yeah. <laughs> so great you know I hope if it's any consolation that there are people that feel like you <laughs> <laughs> yes I, I have found out that that is the case which I'm glad for and there's nothing wrong with that there's nothing wrong with having to turn it on if you got to go out and be around a bunch of people <laughs> yeah i mean so you're so on a personal note i've had people say well you host a show you know you're always yeah. talking to people and i'm like extremely introverted and yeah it's like a light switch i had to locate when i moved here i was like you're either gonna do it or you're not so yeah. find it for you like you've really made your own community which is amazing like i don't know if i had come here when i was 19 or 20 like i don't know that i would have Right. I'm going to tuck my tail and gone home because I don't have the personality that I like. If I go out, I'm not coming home with new friends. <laughs> like I better be meeting somebody that I know. <laughs> like, right. So I don't know if I would have, have been successful at that. So I'm always in awe of people that have done that. So it's really cool. It's, it's a struggle. I, I envy people that it seems like it's easy for them, but yeah. it's been a learning experience for sure. I'm um, but yeah, but thank you for sharing. I, I really do admire you. I feel like, you know, you always, even your Facebook posts, everything, you're just very authentic. You're just Marty. And yeah. I don't know if that was ever like a conscious choice. I don't know if there was ever pressure and you thought that you needed to be somebody else, but you know, you singing songs that are hundred percent you and, you know, even your Facebook posts, everything, it's just very authentic and you inspire people. So well, I, I, that. I hope so. I mean, yeah, that's the point. Like, we're, we're all going to go sometime, so we might as well have lived our most genuine lives. Amen. Um, okay, just a couple more questions. Like, what is the best piece of advice you've ever received, you know? That I've ever received? Ooh, that's a good, good question. Um, or maybe just words you live by kind of thing. Yeah. I can't think of a specific, like, moment that somebody said something to me about this but about in regards to that like there are people that have tried to sort of shape me into some other thing over the years which happens to every artist um but there were also people that were like no 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 <laughs> like do what you're doing and let the world catch up to that and so you know i i if there's anything that i would say it's that because that's the only way that you're not you in specific, but anyone is going to be successful is doing something that you're the only person that can do it. Like, 
whether it's in a co-write or if it's whatever, like there are things that you're going to say that no one else is going to say, like you would say it. And so if you're not being sincere and you're not being genuine, you're going to miss those opportunities. So it's just, yeah, doing you and letting everybody else find their way to you instead of trying to chase them down. Yeah. I love that. Um, a little bit heavier, but I just have to ask, you know, in the last year, I, I have seen multiple people that I knew in town pack it on up and go home. And it's understandable because we want to be near family. It's been a crazy time, but what would you say to people that have maybe been in town a couple years and they just, they haven't got a publishing deal or they, they feel like they're not getting there. And you, you hear so many stories about, you know, they quit right before something big could have happened. Is there anything that you would say or that you've done to just keep you going in those tough moments? I think like the, the most, when I get the most down, I usually am like, okay, Jesus, like help. Like if you want me to do something else, show me what it is because this is the only thing I know how to do. And when I've had those times, like I usually have gotten some kind of sign that you know, it's not time to stop or whatever. And, you know, you're right. You hear those stories a lot about being here for a long time. They call it a 10 year town, all of those adages or whatever, like sometimes it just takes time. And if it's, I would say if it's stealing more joy from you than it's giving you, maybe it's time to go home. Um, if you could be happy doing something else, there are a lot of people that I know who would not be happy yeah. giving up music, you know? But there are some people that could be happy if they're just playing songs on the weekends at a, a bar. Like, and so if that would make you happy, yeah, why make your life harder? <laughs> like, it's going to be hard no matter how much you love it and no matter how much it gives you, it's gonna be a, a tough road. <laughs> and yeah. so if you could be happy doing something else, do that other thing. But, you know, if you, feel like this is what you're meant to do and nothing brings you as much joy and completion then you're gonna have to suck it up through the hard times <laughs> like, suck it up buttercup that's right yep. <laughs> locate the light switch and just let's go i love yep. that okay i want to end things on a happy note do you remember one of the first times that you heard your song on the radio yes i remembered a couple there was there was one though i was with a girlfriend like we met for happy hour in columbus and I think she worked downtown um, and so we were having a drink and like I knew someone that worked at the radio station so they're like hey in the five o'clock hour we're gonna play your song so we like wow. we were like okay hold our drinks to the bartender and like <laughs> ran to the car and we're just like like waiting to hear it and so yeah just like I, I actually was watching a video this morning have you heard of a pop artist named Ren w-r-e-n-n -N? no but I'm out of touch <laughs> well same thing like I just I couldn't even tell you how I found her again, like found her celebrity through TikTok, but she has a song called Haley. That's about her ex-boyfriend. Like she caught him cheating on her through her dog's security camera. Oh my God. Like, and so she wrote this song and it's a gorgeous song. I love it. But she uses the sample of the audio from him and Haley, like talking in her apartment in the song. Oh You've got to check it out. But, um, Anyway, all of that was a roundabout way to say like she had a video of herself like hearing that song on the radio for the first time in LA. And like I started crying just watching the video because it's such a moment. Like yeah. you like we work so hard for this and like there is very little like tangible reward for 
something you give your whole life to. So like, yeah, seeing people have that moment, I'm, you know, I'm always excited when that happens for anybody. Yeah. I'm a ball bag. When I see that, I I'm like, okay, one day it's going to be me. I know it. Okay. Follow up question then. Uh, what's made you more emotional hearing it on the radio or hearing like a crowd sing your songs or are they equal? (sighs) It's, it's different. Like that was, so my goal was to have people sing my songs back to me. Like I remember, I don't know why, you know, you have weird memories and things that stick in your mind, but I remember being in Chicago on a girl's trip when I was like, 19 or 20 with my college roommate and her friends were there with us and we were watching a concert on tv and I think it was Dixie Chicks or something and the crowd was singing and I was like that is going to be me like that's what I want like and I think there's it's just something about wanting that connection and wanting to know that you're not the only one that feels like this and so getting that back so that's a different level of emotion like hearing a song on the radio is like holy crap like I have worked so hard and here's a result of that but seeing people sing your songs is that's the human like moment of connection so they're just both special in different ways well I I think that's a perfect place to end on a high note thank you so much for sitting and talking with us and letting us into your story and your world and I can't wait for you to put out new music hopefully there's more coming there's more coming yep (laughs) as soon as that happens maybe we'll do this again and we'll catch up on on maybe we'll do it in person I would, wow, that sounds exciting. A thing to plan for, a thing. Yeah. <laughs> Mind blown. <laughs> there okay. you go. Thank you so much. Stay safe and we'll see you soon. You too. Bye. Dangerous girl with some footies on my feeties. Keep up. So many awesome hits around us, and we're gonna keep them coming. Keep up. Come on down to the frog, and we'll get you jammy juice and come on. Riders only. Put your candy rings up to the moon. <laughs> what y'all trying to do? 